I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Last week, I dropped the ball. For those of you who have been listening, I did not put up a podcast last week. For the first time this year, since I started this podcast, I failed to produce a weekly episode. There are several reasons for that. Number one, I'd taken a week's vacation for some much-needed time to rest and spend time with wife and family. However, that didn't necessarily go as planned. I'm in the process of finishing up a small wood shop in which I'll be doing woodworking projects for my family, friends, and in time the general public on a commission basis. I finished insulating the walls and hanging the wall boards, and then began moving a collection of hand tools that I had stored in bins to sit on the shrinking floor space of the new shop. Number two, it was my birthday week. The previous Tuesday, May the 2nd, I turned 61 years old. We celebrated with a birthday dinner that previous Saturday so that we wouldn't have to rush on a work day and so that my pastor and his family could come and be with us. I received a couple of old-fashioned double-edged safety razors, one of which was identical to the one my dad once used, and it was manufactured the same month and year that I was born. So it turned 61 years old with me. I also received a straight razor, a razor strop, a boar's hair shaving brush with a mug and some shaving cream from a gentleman's shaving supply in London. I was presented with a Japanese Ryobi saw and a Japanese rasp to add to my tool collection, as well as a few other antique hand tools. My lovely wife then presented me with a brand new number seven jointing plane. If you don't know what that is, you can go to the old watchman or The Watchman Speaks on Facebook, and you'll see pictures of it. Number three, I was sick. Cheryl was sick. The first day I was off for vacation, Cheryl and I both were attacked with some pretty severe seasonal allergy symptoms. You know, watery eyes, itching ears, coughing, runny noses. Presently, now that vacation is over, I'm faring much better, and Cheryl is beginning to improve. Number four. My half-brother, James Hooks, passed away in his sleep in his home in Kilburn, Louisiana on Friday, May the 5th. I made the trip from East Tennessee to Northeast Louisiana to attend his funeral. So there you have it. Those are my excuses as to why I didn't put out a podcast last week. I know that those things that I mentioned are merely excuses and not worth the breath it takes to speak I can only ask that you extend grace towards me and allow me to continue to be a part of your weekly regime. However, all this activity of being on vacation, having a birthday, being ill, and my brother's passing got me to thinking about a lot of things. Those things that I thought about are worth sharing with you, whether you be young, middle-aged, or older like myself. Or should I say I believe that they are worth sharing with you. 
Having had my 61st birthday, I can say that I probably have more years behind me than I have in front of me. My mother died in 1989 with breast cancer at the age of 63. Dad died in 1993 with colon cancer at the age of 67. Now my brother has died at the age of 75 years and 11 months with heart issues and bladder cancer. That sets the mind to thinking. How many years do I have you to walk this earth and make a difference in people's lives? But then I came to the realization mom and dad's purpose had been fulfilled in getting me raised and grown, teaching me right from wrong. My brother's purpose had been fulfilled in the way he touched the lives of many. He had provided a home for his wife and his family and lived to see a prodigal son return home and do well. This leaves me with the question, what must I do to fulfill my purpose before I depart this life? I believe my brother James Raymond Hooks and my nephew Jamie Ray Hooks answered that question for me. I'd often call my brother James Raymond or he would call me and we'd talk about the Bible for hours on end. And my brother would often say, baby brother, I don't got the Bible education that you have. And my reply always was, you don't have to have education. You know the Bible better than most who have educations. But he would always quote, Hosea 4, 1 through 10, which reads, Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky, and also the fish of the sea disappear. Yet let no one find fault, and let no one offer reproof, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. So you will stumble by day, and the prophet will also stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being my priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The more they multiplied, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory to shame. They feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire toward their iniquity. And it will be like people, so it will be like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They will eat, but not have enough. They will play the harlot, but not increase, because they have stopped giving heed to the Lord. My brother would always place emphasis on the beginning of verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why do you suppose he would add emphasis on that verse? It was because he could see that everything surrounding that verse is playing out before our eyes today, and very few see it. Let's go back to the beginning, to Hosea 4, verse 1. We see that God has a case against the sons of Israel. That's a legal case. It was a matter of holding court. 
What was the case about? Verses 1b and 2, we see that there is no faithfulness, kindness, knowledge of God in the land. If that were the case, then what was the evidence? Verse 3 tells us that there is swearing, deception, murder, theft, adultery, and violence bringing bloodshed after bloodshed. That means continual violence and repetitive bloodshed. Verse 4 tells us that the situation is so bad that the land mourns and that every living thing in the land languishes. I don't know how observant you are, but I notice fewer birds and fish than there used to be. I noticed a decrease in the size and vigor as well. Even the robins do not seem to produce as many fledglings as they once did. Verse 5 tells us that people will stumble by day and the prophet will stumble with them by night. I don't really want to get started on these modern-day prophets. The first thing is that if they were a prophet, you would know that they were a prophet. They wouldn't have to tell you, I'm a prophet. As well, God provided for the prophets of old. The prophets of old did not have a 501c3 status, nor did they need to ask for contributions to sell their merchandise and swag. They certainly did not have to do anything to promote their status or their mission. That's about all I have to say about that at this moment. Verse 6 is the beginning of a decision. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There is no knowledge of God or knowledge of his word. There is little acceptance either, or at least to the extent that God expected. Why is that? Because you have rejected knowledge. God said it. I didn't. But because America has turned her back on knowledge, kicked God out of the public school system, banished his commandments from the courthouse walls, America has, by and large, doesn't have the knowledge of God, and worse yet, doesn't want it. God rejects America as his priests, and he has forgotten her children. If you don't believe that, consider that the abortion industry has not as yet been eradicated, and consider the transgender abomination that is trying to prevail and succeeding in some places in our tax-paid-for public school systems. Verse 7 tells us that the more the people multiplied, the more people sinned against him. Consider that as America has grown and prospered in all areas, the more America has sinned against God. Homosexuality, transgender, asexuality are rampant and shouting down, canceling out the voices that speak against such things. God said, I will change their glory to shame. Sound familiar? As verse 8 says, they feed on the sin of my people and direct their desire toward their iniquity. That's pretty simple. And it's easily observable and recognizable. Verse 9 tells us that it will be the same in people as it is in the priests. Look, the Methodist church as a denomination has churches leaving by the droves because of woke practices being deemed acceptable. It's not just a Methodist denomination either. There are other denominations. And Andy Stanley has adopted a woke stance in his church in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, go and Google how to pray for a loved one who is homosexual or transgender, and you will find page after page of church websites telling you it is okay for your loved ones to be homosexual or transgender, according to God. Verse 10 tells the story. 
They will eat, but not have enough. They will play the harlot, but not increase, because they have stopped giving heed to the Lord. All this is playing out in our time, in our society, before our eyes. My brother James saw it. I see it. Can you not see it? Do you not know? About three years ago, my brother called me and told me he had a melanoma cancer on one of his eyes. He wanted me to pray for him. And I did. But before we hung up the phone, I asked him, I said, Brother, can I sound a trumpet over the phone for you? And he got really excited. He said, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, do that. So I did. The melanoma was removed. His eyesight improved, restored, actually. And he had no further problems that I know of. From then on, whenever we would talk on the phone, he would say, little brother, I guess it's about time for me to hush and go on. I got some other calls to make. But before I go, blow that horn for me. I'd sound the trumpet for him, and when I get back on the phone, he said, that's good. Oh, I like that. Now, son, blow it one more time. I never understood why he always asked me to sound the trumpet one more time. That is until the evening before we buried him. You see, my nephew, Jamie, is a recovering addict. James and I had been praying for him for years. I believe it was in June or July 2022, Jamie hung himself. My brother and sister-in-law found him, cut him down. Thankfully, he survived without any long-lasting ill effects. He went into rehab, accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and was baptized in a muddy pond on the rehab facility's property. He now has a job, he's got his own apartment, and he has prospered. But the day before we buried my brother, Jamie preached his first sermon at that same rehab facility, and four people surrendered their life to Jesus. On that same day, Jamie received his 11th month sobriety coin. When he returned to the funeral home for visitation of his daddy, he put that 11th month sobriety coin in his daddy's hand. See, Jamie was somewhat distraught that some people at the church that morning had told him that he didn't have to be at church or he shouldn't be at church, or he shouldn't be going to preach at a rehab facility afterwards. They told him that he should be with his mother at the funeral home with his family. Jamie Ray's response was, My daddy knew that I'd be here today. He knew what I was supposed to be here today. He knew what I'm here to do today. He'd want me to be here. And if what I do today helps save just one more, just one more, that would make my daddy happy. I believe that those first four that Jamie led to Christ are the first four of many more to come. But his remarks, if I, what I do today helps save one more, just one more, that struck home with me. You see, my brother James knew that one day he was going to be gone from this world and that he was going to be listening for a trumpet sound that would raise him from the grave or raise his remains from a grave. He wanted to know that sound. And another thing is he understood, as his son had learned, that there was plenty of room in heaven for just one more. 
for every one more, there was an empty parking space in hell. During the chapel service for my brother, the family had given opportunity for family and friends to say a few words about the impact that James Raymond had had on their lives. I spoke briefly, and if I said, if, you know, if James were here today, he'd say, hey, you see this joy I got? You want some joy? Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Afterwards, he'd say, don't you want some of that joy? You couldn't talk to my brother for five minutes without talking about Jesus. The next thing he'd say is, fellas, love your wife and family as Christ loved his church. Live a life of godly leadership in your home that is worth following. Ladies, submit to your husband as unto Christ. He is there to honor, cherish, and protect you. At the gravesite, I shared briefly how James would always ask me to sound the trumpet one more time and how Jamie had said, just one more. I sounded the trumpets over my brother's casket. I'm pretty sure he heard as long as I have God's life-giving breath in my body, I'll always sound that trumpet one more time. I wondered aloud to myself as I made the 10-hour drive back home how many weeks, months, years has the Lord ordained for me on this earth? Certainly there are fewer years ahead of me than there are behind me, but what does God want accomplished? Whatever the answer to that question is, I'm certain that is something I can't do on my own. I continue to read, study, pray. I continue asking Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance. Now, I'm not a pastor. I know that. I'm not an apostle. I know that. I don't believe that I'm an evangelist or a teacher. Some have referred to me as a prophet, but I don't claim that for myself. I do know without doubt or hesitation I am a watchman. I watch over the apostle, the prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. I watch over my home, my church, my community, and my city. I watch over countless counties, states, regions. Indeed, I watch over a nation. I am sending alarms and warnings that go largely unheeded. It's a lonely undertaking, and the rejection and ridicule breaks my heart. Not in the fact that I receive rejection and ridicule on my part, but in the demise that I see coming upon the land. I don't know how the prophets of old withstood the discipline or the responsibility. They said what they had to say, and many died for it. So where am I going with all this? It all leads me around the mulberry bush to where I first started. At 61 years of age, God has blessed me with a modest but comfortable home. I love my family, and they love me. I know that I don't have another 60 years ahead. I'm believing claiming 30 more years, but I'll be happy with whatever God gives me. I'm reasonably healthy for a man of my age. I don't ask God for him to bless whatever it is that I want to do. I look to see what God is doing, and I align myself with that. I'll continue to study and pray. I'll continue sharing Bible study knowledge with whoever will read or listen. And I'll always be ready to sound that trumpet at the appointed times. And I'll always be ready to sound the trumpet one more time. 
Someday, I'll be like my brother James Raymond and others who have gone on before me. My soul and spirit will rest in the bosom of Abraham while my bones rest in a grave. I'll be listening for the trumpet of God. When I hear that, ain't no grave going to hold me down. Here's the question. Is the grave going to hold you down? Do you know Jesus? Have you been faithful to the groom? Or have you played the harlot with the world thinking grace has your conscious repetitive sin covered? I remember I said conscious repetitive sin. Have you endured to the end? Have you thought about, prayed about, anguished about one more? Or have you been satisfied knowing that you have your ticket and you're not worried about anyone else? I didn't put out an episode of The Watchman Speaks last week. That's on me. I ask your grace and God's forgiveness. Vacation time is a good thing, but I neglected what I'd been given to do. Birthdays are a good thing, but I did not glorify God in my progressing with age. I was somewhat ill, but I languished in that I did not immediately resist the devil and anoint myself and my wife Thor and tell the devil that the Lord rebukes him. But I praise God for the lesson I learned from my brother and my nephew to never give up on acquiring one more for the kingdom. I'm not ashamed of my failure to produce a podcast last week. Although I failed, it was not intentional. I learned a lesson that makes me more determined to not fail in the future. I learned the value of sounding a trumpet one more time and the necessity of sharing the full gospel so that one more doesn't have to suffer for eternity. There's always room in heaven for one more. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel, and you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.